Welcome to WiseCast, the podcast for women in STEM and education. I am Dr. Richa Chandra. And I am Dr. Mander Miller. <laughs> Mamber? Is that what and I am Dr. Amber Miller. Yeah, Mamber Miller. Here we are today. Oh my God. Do you want to start all over already? Okay. <laughs> um, today first impressions, we're... right? Like, yeah, it's yeah. a good one. Mamber Miller. I can't even say my name. It's perfect first impression. <laughs> Well, that's what we're talking about today. We're diving into first impressions and the impact they can have on your future. So if today was an important first impression, I'm not sure how I'd be doing. But before we dig into all of this, Richa, how did you dress for success today? So just like you, I'm kind of just, you know, getting everybody relaxed, right? I guess that's our first impression. We make people feel relaxed around us because we're silly and goofy. Um, It's Sunday, right? So just like you, we were just talking about it. and I had a long dance weekend, um, you know, up till midnight. So, and clothes are all over the floor in my closet, which is not, you know, what I like, but I grabbed the leggings that were on the ground and the shirt that I just wore you know, and the, the hoodie and put it all on. So not a great first impression. I mean, I don't smell or anything, but you know, if, um, or to walk out into the world, I'm in all black and very casual. So I don't know what that says. How about you, Amber? How did you dress for success? I'm 100% right there with you. If today was a day I was going to be judged on first impressions, my appearance would not necessarily be the best first impression. I'm in like like you, Sunday. Um, Sunday, I, I try my best to not leave the house. Usually we do grocery pickup and that's the extent of it. And even that is like, really, did I leave the house? Like I'm in the car and then maybe I'll help the people like load my groceries in the back of my car. But it's very minimal interaction. So I'm in like sweatpants, a big like oversized long sleeve shirt, just comfy, cozy, um, trying to do all the fun weekend tasks, right? Like picking up the house, meal prepping for the week and all that stuff. So for me, context, it's the comfort that I need to help me like drive through all of the additional activities I need to get done, which would not make necessarily make me feel or other people like feel like I'm put together or like have it all going on. Um, But that's okay because today we're talking about first impressions so that everybody else out there can nail it on the first try because right research and I'm excited. We're going to start off with a little bit of research, which we haven't had much lately and you guys know how much I love it. So I'm excited to kind of dig in with just very high level, right? Like stuff here, but that research has demonstrated that the brain performs these thin slices within split seconds of meeting a new person. And thin slicing refers to the brain's impressive ability to be able to integrate and process information about a new person and come to these conclusions about their character. So, so within fractions of a second, sometimes we can determine certain traits such as trustworthiness, status, and attractiveness all within a split second. Like you can't even realize that you're making these judgments about people and you, you've you already done it. So Richa, like why are first impressions so important? Well, I mean, I think a lot of things, I would just like rewind for a second what you were just saying, like, you know, you're in your comfy look, right? But you get out of your car to help the people. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I know there. nobody else does. I'm always like, let me help you. Okay, so right out of my car. If it's true, if it's in the first few seconds, if I was like, because I'm just sitting in there and if I saw you getting out, I'd be like, oh my God, that's a very altruistic person. And so I don't know if I'd be even looking at your clothing. So that's kind of interesting because both of us have been like, 
physical first, right? Like we think that's that, but yeah. I would have probably noticed that what you're doing because mm-hmm. it's so unusual would have jumped out at me. So obviously first impressions are important, right? Um, and so this can have some implications with employment, um, relationships, friendships, ideas, business, even how like your doctors treat you, you know, there's a lot um, that goes there. So, you know, um, what happens with our brains during our first encounters and you're our, you know, anatomy and physiology person. So we looked into the neuroscience of it. Amber, do you want to talk about what we found with like the neuroscience involved here? Well, so I think part of it is just that your brain and, and just in general, your nervous system is able to do a bunch of stuff before your brain can actually, like you can really realize that you've done all of these things. Right. And so I think it's just that, that we can process so much information without knowing that we're doing that. And that helps us survive, right? If you think evolutionarily, we need to do all these things. Um, and then that can really basically have an impact on how, I mean, we're, we're making these snap decisions and judgment, but it really stemmed from like survival, right? Because we needed to be able to know, is this a dangerous situation, right? Like your sympathetic, and we've talked about sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems before that fight or flight response, right? Am I in a safe situation? Do I need to flee? Like what is happening? And so I think, right, it's just our ability to, to basically absorb so much information without consciously, I guess, maybe is that's the word I'm looking for, realizing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and again, for evolutionarily, like it was for our own safety and to be able to survive. Now we're doing it, and maybe some of it now still is safety and survival. If you think, if you're thinking about outside of work and networking and type of first impressions, right? That like, um, and there's some research that we found that women are actually better at accurately judging people in their initial meetings um, and formulating these more general kind of first impressions. And is that because like we have to be better at it for our survival, right? If you think about safety and, you know, stranger danger, like we teach our kids, but also just like the things that can happen to women, like out in the real world like we have to be good at these kind of snap decisions and understand who we can and cannot trust right and so um i think there's a lot of that that goes into it but then these lead to biases in terms of how we can interact with people when it's not really a matter of survival right and it's not really like our life depends on it when you're at a first impression job interview or networking situation and those types of things I mean, that's interesting, right? Like I, I hadn't thought about it that way in terms of like, yeah, there's like the safety and danger and, and we're doing it, like you said, snap, right? Like within 30 seconds, you've made a first impression. And, you know, if we think about it historically or through evolution, like you were saying it, you know, most of the time it was like, you're, you're you know, like hunting, like whatever, right? Yeah. Or you're a woman and you're with your your little ones and you have to protect them because the, the man is away or hunting, right? And then if like another... Tr- person tribe, you know, comes along, then you have to assess if that person's a threat. But modern times are complex and men and women are in the working world and, you know, dating is different also, right? (laughs) Like if we think of like Victorian times and what was it, Emma, and like, you know, just like the way courtship happens and even in different cultures, right? Where, you know, there was like arrangements and like these debutante balls and, you know, like coming out like that. 
you had a lot more information, I guess, from like others, like in a group to make those impressions. So, you know, if women and men are interacting, do we just look at men as like, you're either a threat or you know, like somebody safe is, do men look at women that way? I wonder, like, do they ever find us threatening? Yeah, I don't know, right? And maybe it's like, and maybe some of the things that, and we talk about some of this, I guess, like if if they meet women of higher status, some men may perceive that as a threat, right, to their ego and to their, you know, what they are, um, they feel like they're supposed to be doing. I mean, I think we see that in that um, there are studies in terms of first impressions, and people have probably heard this one, but I think, and I can't remember when it was, that what's the big orchestra or symphony I, they started going to blind auditions and when they did that basically more women got spots in the orchestra or symphony whichever it is because the typical people who were in charge of that right are mostly men and they have a bias about women's ability to do x y and z and so when they took the, the visual away in terms of seeing who was doing the performing, right, and left it all to the critical ability of how they were performing and their skill level, right, that increased the number of women they appointed to the different mm-hmm. um, instruments and things um, versus when they weren't doing that, right? So that right there tells you there's some sort of, it's usually not that they're threatened by us, but that they don't think we're good at things or that we're as capable as men or or whatever. Um, I'm optimistic, right, that that's changing, especially with these different things like blind auditions and blind um, kind of things. And sometimes they're even doing like, and I'm not sure how many times HR is doing it, but sometimes people try to evaluate resumes without, I mean, colleges, I guess, to an extent, right, without the names associated with them so that it can be less biased in the things that, again, we make snap decisions about, um, which sometimes it's positive for us and sometimes it's not, right? So I think that there's a lot of that just societal bias, unconscious bias that goes into how we perceive people. Um, even if we don't mean to, it, it happens, right? It does. I mean, so let's dive into some of these personal experiences we've had with people. So Amber, um, can you give an example of somebody who made a bad first impression on you? I'm sure there's so many. <laughs> well, and there's, and it's funny you say, I'm sure there's so many, cause really I was like, I can more easily remember people telling me other people made bad impressions on them. than I can think of people that have made bad impressions on me. And mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm so non-judgy, right? <laughs> cause I'm sure there are plenty of times where I'm like, oof, babe, I was super like, maybe I think it in my head and, and then I like move past it. So I, I don't remember it as much, but I mean, I, I think a couple work examples kind of popped into my head as we were preparing for this. And and I think the reason some of these people made bad impressions were because like one um, woman in particular, I think she was a bit um, standoffish or like maybe direct. I don't, you know, kind of like because of the type of job she had and, and what types of things she had to deal with, it kind of made sense why her, she initially came off like that but it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. I'm not sure if they took her as like arrogant or they thought she was like, they felt like she thought she was better than them and she was new and you know, those types of situations. But over time, people have come to see like that she's good at her job and that she brings value to the conversation. She helps guide things in productive ways and has all this stuff to add. So I think people's perceptions have changed 
Um, but she's also, and this sounds bad because people probably know who I'm talking about, but she also has like, she's very tall, right? She has these things that naturally go against women. Um, and so I think that that could have also played into some of the like unconscious bias that then caused some people to have initial negative reactions. The other one that I could easily think of was similar, like um, a person didn't dress how other people thought they should have dressed. And it was like a conference. They were working a conference and she came in very more casual, maybe than all the other people working the conference. So that was kind of like one strike against her. The other strike that people had against her was that when she came on meetings for things, she didn't necessarily have an agenda or slides prepared or things like that. So they felt kind of like she was a bit all over the place and so not as prepared, right, for um, leading this meeting and the, the types of things like that. And so I think those are kind of some of the, like the negative impressions that that I remember um, from, from thinking of it. So, you know, it kind of involves some body language type things, I guess, right? Um, maybe facial expressions, but also preparedness, I think, because you could, to me, you could kind of chalk up the like um, attire at the conference to maybe preparedness, as well as like leading a meeting. Um, people like, even though people don't like making agendas, and maybe uh, some people don't like agendas, most people, if you're coming to a meeting, you need an agenda, you need a framework to feel like you're like getting things done and like accomplishing stuff. And so when that's your expectation and then that's not provided then I think you feel like what are we doing here like do, do they even know what's happening and that often can lead to a negative okay but like so that's a lot of stuff like when you think of these first impressions like what are your expectations for proper behavior or like what people should be doing for these first impressions. I mean, I agree with you on, you know, context, right? So if you're at a conference, you don't want to be casual or sloppy. Sloppiness is definitely a negative for me. Um, so if I think of proper behavior, you know, I, you, you dress for the context. And beyond that, I, you know, make sure it's clean and not wrinkled. And like, you know, so those things yeah. are, you know, showing that you're prepared and a put together person outside of the work environment and then if you're put together outside then then you know you're going to be you know like the other person knows that you'll be put together in a professional setting as well um i think you know beyond that like okay so beyond just like looking physically correct for the context i think arrogance is such a big turnoff for me in everything and i've had the fortunate or unfortunate <laughs> sometimes um, experience of being on many hiring committees for organic chemistry. I'm going to like just say, it. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, all the organic chemists out there. Um, I've just had, you know, a history of meeting very arrogant organic chemists. And, and I'm not saying like, I should stereotype <laughs> like all organic. <laughs> it just happens to be that I have had a lot of encounters. And it, there is something about the vocal tone. I don't know. It's like a well, you know, I was like, oh, I, I don't even know how to explain what that is. It's not like there's like something right, you know, um, and the body language is like, <laughs> you know, I'm at an interview, but I'm like, you know, the world's greatest expert. You can't see me. And I probably got too far back from my uh, microphone, but like I'm <laughs> leaning back in the chair and, you know, Very relaxed, like relaxed, the place. showing your, you know, like, you know what men do, <laughs> you know, like with that. <laughs> 
Um, and there are a lot of men in that field, right? So, um, so there's, there's some facial expressions with the eyebrows. And so arrogance, I think, you know, for me, I write you off like very quickly. I 100% agree. Like that is like my, I think like the least flattering thing in your, um, like interview situation and getting to know you, that is like the number one thing that will make me like, just want to turn around and go find somebody else to talk to versus trying to like have a conversation. And I, and I get it to an extent in the interview, it's this fine line, which I'm not good at at all. And we'll share some, like how I did terrible at some of these things, but I get that you need to exude confidence and knowledge that you can do the job that you're interviewing for, but it also doesn't need to be like, oh my God, I've done all of these things. We've done thousands of mouse experiments. I've done blah, 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 you know, like whatever, like, obviously we know what you've done because we read your recipe. Like we, you know, we don't need to be, again, it's hard to put into words that feel, it's like that slimy feeling of just like, and then who's going to want to work with you, right? Like if this is the like perception you're exuding, it's not going to be a collaborative environment. Like no one's going to want to work with you, right? It's just not a good vibe. I don't even like it in social settings. Like I don't like arrogance on anyone. Like when people are like, oh, you know, so I have a good friend who went to Yale and he's a cardiologist or he's actually interventional cardiologist. But whenever he's like introduced to people or people ask him, he's like, yeah, I went to a school up in the East Coast. I'm like, that's just so nice. Like the, you know, to make sure people feel, you know, get to know him first before yeah. like, oh, you know, because then people, people behave differently when they're like around an Ivy leaguer. Right. So, yeah. uh, you know, that kind of thing, I think just impresses me so much when people have that kind of humility or they, they listen first, which, you know, I, I struggle with that sometimes because I'm just a talker, but um, I think we both are, you know, but it's, when people listen to you before they even talk about themselves, then that just shows, I don't know, like better character. And that's my, you know, that's my, my take on it. Um, you know, so how about electronic first impressions? So we have lots of thoughts on this. I, I hate it when people don't respond to emails in a timely manner or invitations things like that. You know, what, what are, what are the pet peeves for you in terms of first impressions because in electronic, because most of our interactions in the modern world are yeah. electronic. Yeah. So again, we as as educators, right, deal with students. Um, and some of my biggest electronic pet peeves are the um, lack of proper salutation or any salutation in an email, right? So again, depending on the generation of the student, right, and how old they are, sometimes email is like text messaging, and I get it, you can do it on your phone, but like, you can still easily put, hi, Dr. Miller, dear Dr. Miller, hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, are all very easy, very polite things to say. Um, I think some cultural differences, like, I don't know how many times I've seriously gotten an email that says, dear ma, the first time, and I'm like, what is this? Like, who do they think I am? Right? Like, am I their mom? Are they like trying some slang to like be cool? Like, what is happening here? Um, and then I realized I think some of it is cultural, and maybe that is like a form of respect, and I just don't understand. But it definitely took me back the first time. Um, dear Miss, also know your know your who you're talking to, right? Um, that in a professional setting, 
I get if you don't know the person you're talking to, like if you're trying to do the general, like dear sir or ma'am or whatever, but like even that I feel like is better, like to whom this may concern versus the like dear sir or ma'am, right? Like it's awkward. And for me, if you're emailing me, you know who I am, (laughs) like you can put my name in it. Like you don't have to do this general thing, right? So I think that for sure is like, And that's the first thing you see, right? When you open the email is the salutation, whether it's there, whether it's something polite, um, professional. Um, And so like those, like that email formatting. And again, again, like if this is our third back and forth, like maybe you don't need to say hi, Dr. Miller again, right? But that first one, right? You need something, something there. Um, and, And we've talked about too, like emojis and different things. Like, is this, are they appropriate how many is appropriate right um and i think sometimes like and again it's hard usually in a first impression i'm probably not including emojis right it's only after like i know you and i know your personality a little bit that we add a smiley face or a winky face because i made some snarky comment or the thing i'm asking for may not be exactly what you want to do but i still need you to do it right then we may put some some more like please don't hate me type of emojis in, in the email. But that's again, not like your your first impression. Um, what yeah. about you in terms of like another big electronic one for like LinkedIn? Like what are like, how do you make a good first impression or like, what are your like, please for the love, do not do this anymore. <laughs> LinkedIn, I, I don't find people making as many follies as, you know, in email and it's, um, and it, like you said, it's it's because of where we are and what the kind of demographics we deal with in terms of different generations, right? Yeah. Um, so in LinkedIn, I can't say, well, I really don't like all the, you know, like I can be your financial advisor of people, right? You know, it's it's presumptuous and it's, you know, like it's it's too obvious to me why you're trying to connect with me. You just want my business or like marketing stuff. So that's all annoying. So those people, I don't think they have a chance of ever making a good first impression on me um, unless it came about organically, right? And so I think that that probably applies to how I seek out people as well on there. Um, you know, if I'm just like looking for a job and I'm just like, oh, this person works at this, I'm going to try to connect to them. I don't think that's authentic. And I don't think people should do that, right? And I probably shouldn't have done that. But you just feel like, oh, if networking is the key, then what what choice do you have? Um, you know, in terms of the, the silly things I worry about, like, even when I do know people, it's like, do you say ha huh? or LOL? <laughs> like, because like, I feel like that's also generational. I feel like older generations will do the ha. Huh? And I'm like, that uh-huh. sounds so weird. It's so curt. Or the blah-ha-ha, right? The B-W-A-H-A-H. So, I mean, those are some of the the silly things. Um, so how about like in social settings, right? Because it's different, right? We've, we've kind of mentioned this whole context, right? We've been kind of talking about the professional and the professional electronic. Then you transition into the social setting And we're in this unique place in life now or age that our social settings can easily turn into professional interactions because everybody's like kind of, you know, peaking or not peaking, but we're, you know, we may still have more (laughs) to climb, but, you know, we're, we're all like important people in our professional worlds. So when you encounter people, it's like, oh, 
that could be like some kind of business, you know, thing, venture that we could go into together. Or, oh, we've been talking, and this happened to me recently, and I was, I was sharing this with you, Amber, um, that, you know, I was with friends, we did this whole like dance thing at the Toyota Center for their halftime show. Um, several Malibu and Cokes in and were, you know, all like celebrating afterwards at a, at a friend's place. And one of the husbands of the, the dancers is at an institution that I've been talking to professionally and we're doing this like collaborative work. And that just like kind of started that conversation started. And I'm like, oh, switch <laughs> you know, yeah. my, my whole mood right into that. And that was it's sometimes kind of exhausting and like, oh, you really have to, you know, think about it. How about you? Have you had that kind of situation? I, I'm not quite as cool as you, so I, I haven't had like quite the same situation, but I do think it's, um, I think, yes. And, and there are times where like professional things turn into socially things. And then it's, you know, trying to make sure that you have the appropriate, um, like, again, reaction. So I guess one example for that for me is, you know, I, I help with the flow text committee for planning the annual flow text conference. And um, basically they have every night there's like a dinner. So like there's one dinner the first night that like uh, company sponsors. And then the second night we do like a speaker dinner. And then the third night there's like another dinner. And there are cocktails involved and all sorts of things, right? And part of it's like a fun kind of like we made it through a day and the last one's like that you made it through the whole thing. But at the same time, these are still like professional people. So like how much do you unwind? How much like everybody's having a cocktail? Maybe we should have a cocktail, right? So you're also not like awkward in that situation. But I think it's just it, it is hard. And it's hard for me too to go from like we're having fun with my friends to oof. This is like a like a potential opportunity or somebody that I do need to make a good impression on so they don't go back and tell these people that I'm like sloppy drunk in public or whatever, right? And like maybe we don't want to have a collaboration with them because who knows what type of perception they're going to bring to our organization, right? So I think that those are all the things that, you know, you have to think about and pay attention to. Um, and I think too that there are times where when you're interviewing for different stuff. Like I remember when we interviewed for Baylor College of Medicine for grad school, they had like a party at night and we all like, they took us to this place and we had a party. And part of that is them like judging you to an extent for how you're going to interact with people. Like, you know, it's, it's to get to know you a little better, but it's also like, like, it's still part of the interview process. And I think when you're younger, like you don't always realize that even though it's not like me in a formal conference room or me giving a presentation, that every part of that is still an interview and it's important to put your best foot forward. But again, it's a different context. So you don't want to be there being like, the, oh my gosh, let me tell you all about my research, right? Like unless somebody specifically asks you that, they want to see what you're like as a person, right? And so, you know, and being able to, to walk the walk or back up the talk. I mean, I remember in mine because I was playing women professional football at the time and I did my interview and the guys were like, what? So we seriously went out to the street and played football, right? Like I was like, all right, let's do this. But you know, like that's fine for me. And that's me being authentically myself, but it's still knowing again, the context that you're in and what's appropriate and what's not appropriate, right? Um, and I think some of that 
comes with age and wisdom to an extent. And you just hope that you do a good enough job, like when you're younger, that you're holding, you know, you're holding your own. So Amber, let's let's give our listeners some tips now, right? Like how do we craft a perfect, impactful entrance? So what do you do? What's your protocol for making a good first impression? Yeah. I mean, so as we said a bit, right, it's definitely context dependent. But when I know I'm going to like an event or something, definitely attire, right? Like if whenever I go to conference, you know, especially if you're traveling, I always iron my clothes. Do I always iron my clothes on a regular basis in my real life? Like for going to work? Um, definitely not. So sometimes, right, I'm not necessarily the most put together. But it's definitely a tire um, in terms of, again, knowing what you're going to and making sure I'd rather be a little bit overdressed than underdressed suit jacket, even if it's a cropped, like crop sleeve suit jacket, right? It still adds a level of professionalism to to whatever it is that you're doing. Um, I also, and we talked about different examples, but I fortunately or unfortunately will genuinely be like, try my best to be myself. Um, with wit and humor, right? And, and you know, sometimes I realize like I open my mouth and stuff comes out that I may may not think was the best words of choice. But at the same time, like I leave those experiences knowing like, well, if it works out, they know exactly what they're getting because they saw my authentic personality, right? Um, and so I think that that is also important. What about you? Yeah, I agree with that. Don't don't be fake, right? Like you can obviously emphasize the good things about yourself. Um, so starting with a tire, you know, be put together, etc. Um, I always put on some jewelry. So I'll add some jewelry pieces because I think that shows that extra care into, you know, like accessorizing, etc. Um, when I, you know, even on like first day of class, I'll always have some earrings or like a, a statement necklace or something that, you know, students need to know that you're professional, there's like a, you know, boundary there and that, you know, you are in a different part of your life, right? Um, I style my hair better, <laughs> you know, for first impressions, not like the the curly post workout kind of look, but I will actually flat iron my hair. So that's kind of an interesting thing because, um, you know, I have naturally curly hair, but I'll, I, for me to feel put together, it has to be flat iron straight. And then Heels, um, I've gotten a little bit away from that, like in recent years, just from aging, I think. But, you know, I'll at least wear some like platform, you know, that are a little bit more comfortable or wedge heels um, because I'm five feet tall. So I have to like make myself larger, right? Like I to walk into a room and talk to people because everybody in the world is taller than me, including the children around here nowadays. Um, So it's it's about like having a feeling of authority. Um, and then in terms of like personality, I think I lead the same way you do. My, I'm not really apologetic for my personality or my sense of humor or my lack of knowledge about things. So that's something that I'm very comfortable with at this point. Like, oh, that's really interesting. I had not heard about that. Some people try to fake their way through conversations. That being said, I'm pretty well read and like, you know, aware of the world and things. So I like that helps. Right. Um, And I think as you grow older, you want to prepare yourself for that kind of, you know, situation. You should travel the world. You should know about what's happening everywhere. So, you know, um, so I think those things, you know, not to get engaged in too many political conversations, but to be aware. (laughs) I think that that shows that, you know, do you know, like the things that are happening, like, 
when you see it with young people, they're, they're so clueless about stuff like, what are you even doing with your free time, right? Like, like yeah. you know what's happening in the world today. Um, so I think that that's important too, in terms of how you um, walk in. So it, okay, those, those are our takes on it, right? Like that's what we think. And um, so research from, or, you know, some articles that we came across, Harvard, Harvard Business Review, um, these are their tips, prepare some talking points. What that involves is you have to do the research on the person or people that you are about to meet so you know what you're going to talk about with them um, and be aware of your body language like you know sit up straight and you know so we haven't even you know don't be this the sloppy like you know arrogant back in your chair but also don't be like you know slumped forward and you know yeah. things like that um, and you need to play to your strengths know like you know you're witty and humorous and that you can you know just kind of uh, get, you know, people comfortable around you with that. Right. So, and, and your colleagues, your trusted colleagues and friends can give you feedback on that. Like, what are your strengths? Um, and then kind of coming back to the preparing talking points and knowing the person you you're going to meet, find something in common, um, creating connections, right? Human connection is so important, right. To have that first impression, because that's what's it, it, people are going to remember like, Oh, what did we have in common? Um, you know, and, so according to Harvard Business Review, it doesn't have to be something so profound that you have in common, but even if it's something like, oh, I lived in that like same, you know, um, uh, city during, you know, like maybe some years after you or I went to that university or, you know, just some small thing or like, oh, well, I'm actually a fan of this other team, but it looks like we both like basketball or whatever, right? Um, and you should engage and be engaging. So that's the listening and, you know, talking and asking open-ended questions. So I like this one. What are you most excited about? I think that's such a great way to meet somebody and, and get a conversation going. Yep. And lastly, even though we said like, you know, okay, first impressions, 30 seconds, and they're made. Well, we, you're hoping that you've made a good one and you want it to stick. So yeah. some kind of follow-up. So, you know, even like when it's like dating, <laughs> Like when you're in the dating world, the text immediately after a date, like that can make such a difference. I remember like getting those texts when I would date and that would just like, you know, warms your heart, right? Like the, yeah. oh, you know, yeah. like the conversation continued right after. Um, and then in professional settings, you know, you writing a personal note, you know, it was great to meet you. Um, and social media, right? Like if you want to show that person that it was memorable and meaningful, you can, you know, share one of their blogs on LinkedIn, or you can tweet yeah. something, you know, retweet something that they put out there. Or is it still tweet or X or whatever? I, I still say tweet. Yeah, I'm with you. So things like that. So Amber, yeah. I know you came across some great points too. Yeah. So um, there's some tips from Better Up, which is kind of like a career type, like job search type website. And so um, some of the other ones, like I won't go through the ones we've kind of talked about, but, you know, make eye contact and smile, right? So like um, being engaged and engaging is is important, right? You don't want people that feel like they're not paying attention or that they're not, in, you know, a part of the conversation or whatever. And so just doing those things makes you more trustworthy and sincere, right? If you mean it and people know when you don't mean it. So like, if you're not feeling like smiling and you still have to be there, you have to come up with a different approach or else you will get that negative first impression because people don't, people know when you're faking it to an extent. And so you have to have that, um, you know, dress for the occasion, be authentic. We've talked about those things, be a good communicator, which is that also like listening is important so that you know how to engage um, and do those things. I think also being empathetic 
kind of falls in line with some of the stuff we talked about in terms of just like being a good participant and and kind of creating that connection and understanding and being there um and then acting confidently right so some of this in terms of being authentic being dressing for the occasion and, and some of those things about doing your research and being prepared helps you to act confidently Rich and I may not dress the same way, but we're going to dress in a way that's going to help us feel confident about the situation that we're walking into and creating a first impression for. Um, and I think those things are really what's going to help kind of set you apart and like really be somebody that somebody remembers, right? Because that's part of it. You want to be remembered in a good way, not the bad way, but that it's a little bit memorable um, because you had engaging conversation. You had that firm handshake, right? You made good eye contact and had positive body language. I mean, and that's like perfect for like, can you overcome a negative um, first impression? And, and I'll be honest, like, I have a lack of self-awareness here because I don't think I make a bad first impression. I think I'm awesome. Oh, no, I'm arrogant. But um, <laughs> Amber, what have you come across in terms of how someone can overcome a negative first impression? So I still sometimes am amazed that we are friends because you probably do never make a bad first impression. And I always feel like I make a bad first impression. No, (laughs) I don't know if it's that just lack of confidence or again, I like, you know, you sometimes you just go over the things you said in your head and you're like, oof, they either are going to like that or they're not going to like that. I hope they like that. Um, But some of the interesting stuff I found is that um, unfortunately, it is not easy to overcome a bad first impression um, because people don't want to change their mind. So when you articulate an idea, um, people are less likely to change their minds. It is easier and it makes people less uncomfortable to just stick with the fact that they made this bad or people made a bad first impression than for the other person to admit they were wrong in the how they viewed this person initially. Um, it causes you less anxiety, right? It's less intimidating and it just makes you feel less bad to just stick with that initial first impression. Um, and I found that like crazy. <laughs> it's so crazy. And I guess that's, again, as scientists, maybe we are easy. It's easier for us to be like, hope oh, that I was not wrong. what I thought it was going to be. That's wrong, right? Like it, it feels so crazy to me to think that people would rather take in the next um five interactions with the person that may be great and still like have this negative impression of them because it's easier than just saying well i was wrong the first time i judged you right like i love to be wrong about people if i thought something negative i'm like oh i'm so glad that you know they have proven me wrong and there is a soul inside (laughs) (laughs) you know i love to be proven wrong Yep. Yep. And I, and I joke and I shouldn't joke, but I do joke. Like I have a point meter with people. Like I'm like, Ooh, that gave them more points or Ooh, they lost a few points there. Right. Like, so, I mean, I, I guess I, you know, we do make those like snap judgment first impressions, but I try to, you know, the additive effect, like how many times do I have to ask for the same thing before we understand? Like every time I keep asking, like you may lose a few points and then you come to me and maybe you say, Oh my gosh, I made a mistake. And like, here's what I did. And like, some people may think that that would lead me to take points off, but that like, you just earned like 17 points back, right? From saying like, oh, I'm sorry, I messed this up. And I'm like, cool, that's fine. Like, at least you told me like, now we know what we're dealing with and whatever. Like that wins back points for for me, for people, because they're being honest, it shows integrity, right? And, And it's that appreciation of good communication, I guess, that comes from that. But 
Yeah, unfortunately, though, it doesn't look necessarily great if we make bad first impressions. But how do you know you killed it at a first impression? Like, let's let's end on a positive, maybe. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, since I said I, I never make. <laughs> how have I known that I've killed it? Um, so usually people like to connect with you again, like, oh, could I have your, you know, if it's in a professional, your business card, which, oh God, it just ordered them because <laughs> I'm like always, like, oh, I don't have any, right? But, um, you know, they'll ask you for your contact. Can I connect with you on LinkedIn, right? Um, and then personally, like, oh, we should, you know, like, what's your Instagram? <laughs> or like, you know, what what's your number? We can text each other and let's arrange a play date for the kids or whatever, right? Like social interactions, et cetera. So I think for me, here, you know, a follow up. So if somebody's just like, okay, just walks off, like, yeah. you know, that would be not killing it. So killing it, I think for me is I need that that validation through the follow up. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. And the same, right? Like you get that, you get that job offer, right? You get the, <laughs> the, uh, we want, we want to work with you. We want to do stuff. Right. And, and for me too, it's that next level of like, um, not just like, oh, it'd be great to connect. Let me have your card, but then actually following up and connecting. Right. And so, um, so I think that that, those are the things that make you feel like, oh, we did have a good first impression when people, can think of those authentic relationship things that are going to propel you both to the next level, right? Um, I think are also things that make you feel like you did a good first impression. When the conversation shifts towards actual actionable things that you can do together, research collaboration, right? Project, like what that looks like. Um, and then you can follow up on it, right? Like it was such a great conversation. Like I'm super excited about this. You know, um, what do you think the next steps will be. Thank you as always for listening. Support Wisecast with a monthly donation to ensure great quality future episodes, or you can donate to our cause using PayPal. Both are linked in the episode notes. And don't forget to tell all of your friends to tune in to Wisecast so they can get a great first impression. I am Dr. Richa Chandra. And I am Dr. Amber Miller. 